In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. It was not evident, it was not there until I brought it up, and then they went looking for it. And that's when they found evidence of the bomb going off in the cockpit at the pilot's feet, and also the cyanide gas in the bodies of the dead soldiers. You can become an official Patreon supporter of my work here at Strange Planet Productions by donating a monthly amount through patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash strange planet, there are several tiers to choose from. Pick which one is right for you, but any monthly amount is greatly appreciated. As a sign of my appreciation, you can have your name mentioned on air during my weekly radio show, or you could have your name included in a crawl on my YouTube channel live stream. You could also receive episodes of my old podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. This critically acclaimed podcast, produced in partnership with Chris Jericho, is not currently available anywhere else. If you enjoy this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, you can really get behind me and my work by donating once a month at patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. The Man with X-Ray Eyes Canada's Edgar Casey, remote viewer and trance clairvoyant, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, is here to discuss Aero Air Flight 1285, which crashed in Gander, Newfoundland back in December 1985. 
Douglas is best known as a trans clairvoyant. He's a spiritual healer, teacher, published author who demonstrates many abilities studied by noetic sciences, the study of consciousness, including clairvoyance, telepathy, energy healing, remote viewing, prediction, and prophecy. He's one of a select few able to demonstrate all of these abilities and even fewer who are considered a reliable information source. He teaches people the world over about spiritual development through the practice of meditation and the application of spiritual principles in daily life. He is the author of Secrets of Life, The Complete New Age Health Guide, The New Earth, A Prophetic View of Our Future, Gems of Wisdom, and Conversations with the Akashic Field. Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, how are you, my friend? I'm uh, feeling well, and thanks for asking. It's uh, good to be back on the show, as always. Thanks, Richard. I want to go back, because we're going to dip into the uh, the case files, and, and this will give people really a good indication what you do as a remote viewer. And I remember we talked about this case many, many years ago, but I don't know that we actually discussed it on the air, and it's the Aero Air Flight 1285, which is still uh, the worst aviation disaster on Canadian soil. Over 250 passengers, uh, they were U.S. military personnel, 101st Airborne, um, and this was a, a horrible crash of, a, I think it was a DC-8 um, a plane uh, that took off shortly after, or uh, sorry, uh, crashed shortly after takeoff in Gander, Newfoundland, on its way back to Kentucky, the uh, the Air Force base there. Uh, but let, let's just, uh, for those not familiar or not old enough to remember, Aero Air Flight 1285, just uh, walk us through the uh, the chronology here. Okay, uh, I was uh, back in 1985, I was 35 years old. Um, I had been um, contacted by members of our uh, Defense Department, and I was actually doing consultations for various members in, in the uh, Defense Department, the Canadian uh, Defense Department, uh, at several levels. Uh, somewhere in there, um, I struck up a... Uh, uh, um, let's say, a friendship with uh, Brigadier General Roger Lacroix, who was retired at the time. And he was uh, his wife was a major, and she was, uh, I think, semi-retired. And I had done some personal consultations for them where I correctly identified um, a trip around the world that they were going to take, um, what was going to happen, happen in different countries, including that at one time they were going to lose their luggage. Many of the things I said happened... Uh, as they did, went on their world tour, and when they got back to um, uh, Montreal, uh, they were going to fly from Montreal to Ottawa, where they were, uh, where they lived. Uh, and they remember having a conversation. They told me this later. They said, "Well, Douglas was amazing. He was right about the monkey on the shoulder, and it was this and that, and the other thing." He said, "The only thing he missed was our luggage. Uh, we didn't lose our luggage." And with that, they got on the plane and flew from Montreal to Ottawa, and their luggage got on another plane and went to Vancouver. Of course, of course. <laughs> so, Say, at so the last we, uh, moment, you were proven correct. Yeah. Well, I just said these were some of the things that were going to happen. I don't know if the order was chronologically correct. but uh, So when those things happened, um, you know, my reputation uh, is um, usually that I'm right or I'm highly reliable in predicting events, the outcome of, of business meetings, uh, looking for uh, lost people, 
uh, deceased people, things like that I've been involved. So with the military, I was 35 years of age. I was nervous working for the military. I didn't want to be, you know, found out to be uh, uh, some sort of black ops kind of psychic guy. But I did sessions, and there were several uh, times that I worked with important people, put it that way. In this particular occasion, there was this mystery about this uh, plane that had, uh, I believe it come from Egypt, and it had uh, 248 soldiers on board, and it had about uh, eight, um, military, eight, um, eight crew. Correct. And the uh, plane uh, landed in, uh, in Gander, Newfoundland. It was bound for Fort Campbell in Kentucky. Uh, and it was Aero Flight uh, uh, 1285, I guess it was, the number. Yeah, let me just stop you there. Just uh, a quick uh, thing that I, I don't know why I never noticed this before. But Aero Air Flight 1285, it crashed December 12th, 85. Sort of a coincidence, right? <laughs> no such thing. That's <laughs> right. Um, it, that is a remarkable uh, coincidence. Uh, at that point in time, uh, there was a lot of controversy because this plane was fully loaded with uh, with soldiers. Uh, it landed in uh, Gander. It was there for a short stay to refuel and then to continue on to Kentucky. The plane crashed very soon after takeoff, and uh, it remains uh, a mystery. It, it, it uh, was on a peacekeeping mission on the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt, so it was coming from the Middle East, and it was returning to the United States. Right. And At again, that point, it... Sorry, I just wanted to remind people again, all 248 passengers, eight crew, crew members aboard, uh, uh, perished. And um, this was the 101st Airborne Division. So these were American soldiers who landed in Gander to refuel on en route right. to Kentucky. Okay, sorry for the interruption. Go ahead. No, no, this is correct. And there was great controversy. There was great mystery. And so... Um, my friend, the general, uh, called me up and said, would you, I, I, I was in Ottawa at some other time and I had met several dignitaries. Yeah, I don't really tell people where I go. We, you and I once had a conversation where you said, I didn't know you did these things, Douglas. And this is part of what being the psychic guy is. You don't brag or say you've been in, you don't bring down to the, see the, the movie stars and you got a, your personal friend at George Carlin or you've been in New York and you have seen mining executives, et cetera. It's kind of like you know, anonymity is, is, is a very good thing. So in this situation, I was brought in uh, and I know zero about what happened. And they wanted to know, uh, and, and, and I did a session for them, and what I saw became uh, it became a good explanation and it seemed to have evidence to prove what I had said and it certainly was something that no one else thought of or anticipated. We should, we should point out that, though the official cause first what the okay. Canadian Aviation Safety Board what they claimed the cause of the crash was. Well not all the members. It was uh, and I'm giving. I'm going to give you some inside uh, information, and I'm going to give you what I was told. Of course, I was not there. 
never went to the crash site, never met anybody in person, and knew zero about what was uh, going on or what was said. So the official cause under John Cosby, I think, was the uh, Premier of Newfoundland, and he was, I think, involved in the Defence Department or Minister of Defence. It was ice on the wings caused the plane to crash. Ice on the wings caused the plane to crash. The only problem with that is that all military airplanes or aircraft are routinely de-iced prior to takeoff. So what the official cause was ice on the wings was completely contradictory to the practice at the airports to de-ice all the wings, any, any military aircraft or any aircraft carrying military personnel. So, especially in, in Gander, Newfoundland, my God, you know, you would think that this would be a routine thing with, that there would be any kind of, uh, ice in the atmosphere or any chance of ice on the wings that it would be de-iced. Now remember, we're taking off, we're not coming in for a landing, and this is not going through the air. Ice on the wings, because I, I'm a little bit of a private pilot, takes a long time to accumulate on the wings of a plane and it causes the plane to stall. It doesn't cause the plane to crash, it causes it to stall, which means it falls out of the air. It's not It's not like a, uh, this particular crash, it went in, it nosed into the ground. If you look on the inter- uh, internet, you'll see that it nosed in. So the official cause was ice on the wings, which didn't match up the normal practice. And there was dissension among the aviation safety board so the official pronounce uh, pronouncement of the cause came from as i was told john crosby he was adamant that that was it he wasn't going to take any other information and that was the official cause because the plane was coming from the middle east and the americans didn't want or didn't want it to be known that this was sabotage that there had been a bomb on board. Okay, with that set up, uh, the Aviation Safety Board members, who themselves, uh, uh, General Lacroix was an air combat jet fighter pilot, as were some of the other uh, aviation uh, board members. There was, I think, three or four of them that dissented. They They just couldn't believe it, didn't want to believe it. They knew it wasn't the truth. And so... Where do they go from here? Well, Roger, uh, the general called me in and he asked me to do a session. I was uh, doing our quantum meditation and I projected my mind into the plane at that time. And what I saw was unbelievably a cyanide bomb that was placed in the cockpit under the seat of the pilots. Hmm. Now, to me, coming up with that, that sounds pretty spooky. Uh, why was it placed in the cockpit under the foot of the pilots? Well, that meant that there was somebody somewhere along the line had gotten into a secure airplane and had planted a bomb. Right. How would that why? go undetected in the cockpit, no less? Exactly. And why a cyanide bomb? Why not an explosive bomb? Okay. Think about that. In uh, military aircraft, or in this particular aircraft, there was no, uh, as, as I was told, I mean, I not was in the plane, I don't know, there was no um, uh, bulkhead. It was open. 
the the uh, as I understand it, I was told that the soldiers sit backwards in this plane, and they sit backwards in steel chairs, seats. When this bomb went off, it exploded, and again, I'm I'm telling you what uh, I was either told by uh, uh, the general and or what I had said, how it made sense and and what the evidence was and the the, uh, conclusion of it. It went off and the cyanide gas went through the cabin or the area of the plane. And it killed the pilots and and the plane crashed into the ground, killing everyone on board. When the plane crashed, many of the soldiers were decapitated because their head hit the bar. Ah, yes. In their lungs was traces of cyanide in their in, in the lung. How did the cyanide gas get into their lungs if they were killed on crash? No, wait a minute. The general the told you the general confirmed this that there was cyanide gas in their lungs. That's what I was told at the time. Yes. This is this is and somewhere out there, I read it um, on the internet some time ago, where there was uh, this information and this uh, um, evidence of cyanide gas being in, in the troops' lungs. And of course, the thing is that the cyanide gas had to be going through the plane in order for the soldiers to um, to breathe it in to get it into their lungs. And then when they crashed, they were decapitated. So this is what I was told. Um, I was also told that there was a huge uproar uh, that they presented this evidence to Crosby and said, look, there was cyanide gas on this plane. Look, there was a bomb in the front of the plane. Look, these soldiers were, uh, they were dead before they hit the ground. This was sabotage. But at that point in time, John Crosby insisted it was ice on the wings. And as you read the reports out there, you'll find that there uh, there was a dissension in the in the uh, National Transport and Safety Board members who were investigating the crash. So much so that uh, at the end of it, the general and at least other members, one or two, resigned their position over this. They would not be party to this deception. Well, that's what that's what I, what I was told. What I know. Right. Yeah. And, and the evidence seems to be out there that there was exactly what I had intuitively seen this bomb in the front of the cockpit going off, gas going through the airplane and killing not only the crew, but everyone else on board. And of course, everybody was killed on, 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 uh, on the plane. Now think about this. It's on takeoff. You wouldn't expect a plane minutes after takeoff to have such a devastating crash. I had said also, they wanted to know, you know, who planted it in Canada, who put the bomb on there. And and the information was that it was put on in the Middle East, I guess when it took off from Egypt, and it was supposed to go off over the Atlantic, which would mean that the plane would have disappeared and there would never have been any evidence of this bomb going off the plane. But something happened where it misfired. In other words, it did not go off until it took off the second time from, from Gander. And as it, it took off in Gander, Newfoundland, and it went off. Right, right. Now, when you were, when you were telling the general this, he already knew that, that he wanted confirmation because he already knew that there was cyanide gas on that, on board. He wanted to see or wanted to no, find out what you, oh, he didn't know that. that no, was, he didn't know. Nobody knew. I came up with that. 
And then they naturally, like all the professionals I deal with, I give them uh, information, I give them a cause, and then they go and look for it. And they, that's what they did. They oh, went I back, see. and that's when they, they that's when they found, yeah, okay. Because when the cyanide gas went off, uh, the only evidence left was in the bodies of the dead uh, soldiers. Because when the plane hit the ground, it broke up, and there would be no, you know, it's not like a chalk going off, or, or you know, like there's not a stain around it. It just it dissipated. Right. So. They, it, it would be like looking for spray paint on the side of a wall. You know, you could see the paint, but if you take the spray paint and, and shoot it up in the air, the air takes away and there's no evidence. So that's what, it was not evident, it was not there until I brought it up, and then they went looking for it. And that's when they found uh, evidence of the bomb going off in the cockpit at the pilot's feet, and also uh, um, the cyanide gas in the bodies of the dead soldiers. So the general came back to you and said, you were right, Douglas. Uh, that's right. And they were, you know, like, um, and, and I was 35 years old. I got a young family and I said, well, that's very nice to know, but you know, just keep my name out of it. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, did he, did he tell you, did he warn you? Not that you needed to be warned, but did he tell you, you can't say this to anybody? Uh, no, I was not sworn to secrecy or anything like that uh, because my reputation was that uh, the integrity was I would tell people uh, what I would see intuitively but I would keep my mouth shut, and uh, that's how it was. I, I mean, there are some people out there who come up with a prediction, you know, like uh, there was uh, an earthquake somewhere, and then they're like, they wanted all over the Internet that they, they predicted it. And I was the, I was the reverse. I was uh, not shy, uh, but I certainly was um, uh, quiet about it. But I was personally pleased that I was able to help our government and was able to help the, the general. Uh, right. We became close friends after that. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and continue to talk a little bit more about Aero Air Flight 1285. And also we'll talk uh, Earth changes. Stay with us. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. To subscribe, just go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com and click on Get access to premium episodes, or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus, for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, Here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Dr. Douglas James Cottrell stays with us. Remote viewer Canada's Edgar Casey. His website, douglasjamescottrell.com. Right now we're talking about Aero Air Flight 1285. And this was the military plane carrying about 250 U.S. military personnel that were returning home from a peacekeeping mission in the Sinai Desert in December of 1985, crashed 
shortly after refueling in Gander, Newfoundland, en route back to uh, Fort Campbell in Kentucky, all 248 passengers were killed in, in addition to eight crew members. And uh, Douglas was asked to remote view this air disaster. And Douglas discovered that the crash was not caused by uh, ice accumulation on the wings or a failure to de-ice. He remote viewed a cyanide capsule that exploded in the uh, the cockpit that spread to the rest of the plane that killed the pilots and that caused the crash. This was later confirmed to him by that general. And also, Richard, a point that I did not know until recently was that the 101st Airborne Division they had taken off uh, from the Cairo airport. And as I said, they were headed to uh, uh, Fort Campbell in Kentucky with a, a stopover in Gander. The crash occurred three miles away from the Gander control tower, which means it was a very short takeoff, okay? And the wreckage was spread across an area by 1,300 feet uh, by 130 feet wide, according to some reports, which means that that nosed in pretty, uh, you know, pretty solid. It, it didn't... Uh, it didn't land like a solid plane with ice on the wings, which would mush into the ground. Their pilots would have some control. They would have the landing gear down. They would be in an upright position. This, this, uh, you know, crashed into the ground on, without any control. I'm not sure if the wheels were up or down. I don't know for that for sure, but that would be another bit of information to say that. Right. You know, at, at that distance, they were, they were in flight. So, a little bit of information I didn't know, and I think why uh, Mr. Cosby, who was in uh, in the cabinet as a defense minister, and his putting his foot down on this, if you will, and suppressing the truth, uh, because the Americans, uh, the American military, did not want to uh, to admit that there was a terrorist attack. However, almost immediately after the crash, there was a, the terrorist organization Islamic Jihad telephoned a U.S. consulate in Algeria and said that the group was responsible for the crash at Gander. Yes, this was a Shiite Muslim uh, extremist group. <clears throat> right. So uh, the psychic guy says there was a bomb, cyanide gas, uh, went through the plane. Soldiers who were decapitated had cyanide gas in their lungs. Said this was a terrorist attack. The government, through uh, Minister Crosby, uh, Crosby says no, it wasn't. And then immediately you have a terrorist terrorist group call up and say yes, they caused the crash. Right, and two, and two is four. Exactly, and well, and and further to your point, uh, that why they would want to keep this secret is that Islamic Jihad. Uh, said that their their plan was uh, to destroy the plane to prove the ability to strike at the Americans anywhere. There you go. Hmm. So uh, the order obviously then came down to Defense Minister John Crosby uh, and the Canadian government. Listen, we 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 can't we can't talk about this. We have to deny this. That's exactly right. This was a typical cover up. Uh, by uh, members of the Canadian government at the perhaps behest of the U.S. military. Uh, and because of the honorable men who were on the um, uh, National uh, Transport and Safety Board, uh, it was a, a member uh, that four of the members dissented. Four of them. Not one thinking, you know, maybe it wasn't ice on the wings. Maybe it was like a seagull getting stuck in, a plane, in the engine. There was 
the four of them descended because yeah. they didn't want to put their name on it. Nearly half, nearly half right. of four of the nine. And they so lost, con- the public, Canadian public so lost confidence in them after this particular investigation that the federal government had to basically uh, disband the CASB. They, they, uh, they, they disbanded it and they had to create a new regulatory board. That's when the Transportation Safety Board of Canada uh, came in and replaced it as a result of that botched investigation. Now, after that, I mean, were you ever visited? I'm not going to call them men in black. That's such a cliche. But, I mean, were you ever visited by, uh, I don't know, the RCMP or anyone saying, how did you know? Well, uh, the short answer is uh, uh, no. I had uh, the Brigadier General um, who would be talking me up uh, that, uh, you know, this is what the psychic guy said. And he also, he had he had my reputation or my, um, he had the evidence that what I said based on previous information I'd given him uh, to be incredible. He took a lot of flack from that. I tried to disgrace him uh, that he was dealing with, you know, the psychic guy kind of thing. But I also was involved in the Air India crash, and I gave evidence, or sorry, I gave information that proved to be evidence on that crash, which was another air, air, air crash disaster. Yes. Well, maybe we'll do that so, one on a, we'll go into depth on that one on another, uh, on another show. Yeah. Well, this was a time in my life when I was working for the military, and I was, I shouldn't say that. I was working for individuals who happened to be members of the military and or uh, some different, like the, the National Transport and Safety Board people. Um, so, you know, getting to this, if you look at it, it's still to this day controversial because uh, uh, this idea that, um, that it was ice on the wings and everybody who's flown an airplane, especially in the military, knows that it didn't, it didn't pass the smell test. Uh, that there was a terrorist organization to call up immediately and claim responsibility for that, and that the uh, um, there was no evidence uh, on board that an onboard explosion had uh, caused a crash, but the plane was uh, spread out as you know, like it it uh, it was something that happened. Eyewitnesses uh, seemed to contradict the government statement. Uh, that they uh, they claimed they had seen explosives or ammunition being carried on as cargo on the plane in in uh, Cairo. So uh, you know it's uh, it's in plain sight. And I gave them I I was the uh, uh, I, I put all the pieces together in seeing in my intuitive uh, mind. What happened is if I'm watching a movie, which is how I saw, I see things. They appear very quickly, one scene after the other. <laughs> Me. Right, right. Did, did the military, so, excuse me. did the, did members of the, the, uh, Canadian Defense Department, or Ministry of Defense, I should say, did they, after you had sort of made your reputation with them, uh, did they come back to you f- on, on, on other cases? Well, I did, as I said, I worked a little bit with other people in different areas. And, uh, again, it was a matter that they knew. Uh, I, I didn't have to sign a disclaimer, a non-disclosure form or anything like that. They just knew they came, uh, they paid cash, and they left. And um, I, had, I had one man come once, sent to me, he was a very spooky guy, 
who said, well, I want to tell you that you have helped me very much today, but you're never going to hear of me or see me again. I went, wow. So back in the day, I was looking over my shoulder every now and then uh, because I thought that maybe there, if there was a cover-up going on of this magnitude, the worst uh, air disaster in our country's history uh, at that time, uh, I, I thought, you know, maybe I might just disappear. But as, as uh, time went on, it uh, never happened, and, and, uh, but it was in my mind at the time. But again, there have been different times where people have contacted me for for other reasons, and some with the military, some with uh, police matters and things like that. Let's spend a few moments talking about earth changes. I know you've taken note of weather patterns and how they seem to be changing. We're not talking about climate change here, but but weather patterns. And well, well you explain. Well, let's step back in time a little bit and. Uh, it was on your show years ago that I had uh, said that I had a, a dream vision in which the core of the Earth was rotating at a slower speed than the crust and that the oceans were going to heat up uh, to two or four uh, degrees Celsius. I announced that on your show, and as far as I know, I was the first one to even talk about this uh, oven inside the world of the Earth's mantle uh, moving at a different speed than the crust. And I also, on your show, challenged uh, Dr. Suzuki to have a look at it, and I think a year or two later, some scientists came out and validated that the that the crust and the Earth's core were rotating at different speeds. But, as usual, uh, it was a normal occurrence. Well, nobody had thought about that before, and I don't think it was normal at all. I had a, My attention was drawn to it. And that, my friends, is where uh, the greenhouse uh, gases are not really heating up the planet. It's the Earth's core that's causing this huge uh, temperature change, this friction, causing the uh, thinnest part of the core, which is at the bottom of the oceans, to be exposed to this great heat. And the oceans are heating up, and this is causing the, the uh, weather pattern changes. It's causing the, the ice caps which are melting at an alarmingly fast rate. And also we're looking at the now the Earth wobbling and tilting back. And I've noticed in, in our weather pattern that when I was growing up, all the weather, snows, rainstorms, windstorms, came from the northwest stories, Yukon, down from the, the northwest towards the southeast, underneath James uh, Hudson's Bay, James Bay, and out to the east coast. Now I've noticed that our weather seems to come from Texas and, and the Caribbean and going up to, uh, to Quebec and or to the Maritimes. So we have a, a change from the weather coming instead of from the north, but from now from the south. And I'm, uh, I've been predicting this before. We're going to see more flooding in places like Kentucky. Never before where there has been uh, disasters of floods that's going to happen now in that area. There are, you know, this um, Yosemite, uh, Wyoming uh, uh, volcano. I've also said on your show, I saw a wall of lava coming across from the west towards the east and choking gas uh, coming across to uh, the people you know, who were in an airport not uh, too far away east of it. And there is an airport that is east of, of that small place. So, that's yet uh, going to happen, and well, we've noticed that 
with the heating up from the Earth's core, volcano activity is happening more and more on a regular basis. And we're looking for Mount Etna and Vesuvius to go off at the same time. And when that happens, that's kind of the countdown for more disasters to take place. Recently, I was aware that somebody has done uh, um, an internal, um, I don't know how he did it, but it was like an internal mapping of the uh, Earth's crust and, and the uh, tubes or channels. It looks like a, a fork uh, of the Earth's crust, and these forks are coming up in Europe and also in other parts of the world in uh, what we call the you know, they, they're now the south, southern hemisphere. So, however, he had this map, but he's been mapping, he's been pretty accurate. And this, this goes along with what I'm seeing as, you know, in countries that are in conflict, they seem to be also in, in natural disasters. So, I'm looking forward now. We're going to see more of uh, difficulties with the weather, but we're also going to see uh, difficulties with. Uh, uh, famines or disease going through the, the herds in the southwest, you know, beef and, and uh, cattle. So we're going to have some exposure to that, whether that's because poisoning gas or whether it's poisoning the environment, I'm not sure, but that's going to happen. We're also going to see these extremes, and uh, right now the flooding in the Midwest, uh, crops are failing. They failed for two years. The farmers are now at a point where they had their money in the bank, so to speak. They're, they're green in silos, but the silos have now been uh, decimated and, and the, the grain has been lost. So we're going to see disastrous prices in corn and uh, wheat and the bread products, which I have been predicting. I think I predicted on your show as well. That's all happening right now. So in this time, be prepared, have enough food or or something in reserve that you could last six or eight months should there be some sort of storage uh, shortage, I should say. Douglas, always a pleasure. Be well, my friend. Talk soon. God bless. Bye-bye. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.